All right. Great to be able to, to fellowship together in the mornings. My name's Jim King, and I'm on the leadership team here. And I think Greg said, would you preach uh, on this Sunday because it's right after Easter, and I'm going to do such a great message on Sunday, I wouldn't be able to follow it up very well the next Sunday. So he gave it to me. Uh, when I show up this morning, I see all the these friends that are walking in, several people that uh, are very dear to me. It's great to have you here. I remember 20 years ago uh, in a home group, in a community group with Tim and Marla Woods, and I see you guys here this morning. Great to see you, Keith and Bonnie. Uh, I want to acknowledge my mom and dad who are here from Indiana. They've moved to Cody, so it's great to have them here. And they serve faithfully in ministry for about 50 years. And so this is the first time they've ever heard me preach. So it's pretty special for me personally. So uh, it's great. Let, let's take a minute and go to the Lord before we get into the Word. Father, we do worship you. We're not here to acknowledge how great we are. We're here to acknowledge how great you are. And Lord, we lift you up. We lift you up on high. We worship you. And God, we, we're excited about what you're doing in our midst, and we ask for more. God, speak to our hearts this morning through your word, and Lord, help it uh, change the way we view living in a fallen and broken world. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, where we're going to be at this morning is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. So if you guys want to turn there, we're going to be uh, in that passage today. I'm going to be taking you around to a few other passages as well. Before beginning in this passage today, I just want to kind of do a little bit of history to what's going on in Corinth and the reason for this letter. Uh, Paul had been to Corinth and started the church there. He had left that and continued on his missionary journey and was writing a letter back to the, the church in Corinth because of some of the things that he had been hearing and he wanted to write to them personally and to uh, basically confront some of the things that were going on in the church. And so you, you can study that in further detail in Acts chapter 18, which I encourage you to do. But some of the things that they were facing would be similar to what we face today. There was, you know, just an overwhelming push in their culture to sexual immorality, an acceptance of sexual immorality. There was religious centers uh, that were basically prostitution and, and things that they were agreeing with or accepting within the church uh, were the things that Paul was writing to, to confront. Okay, those are very serious things, but even as Greg was talking about this morning and we looked over the sheet, we're confronted with many different things in our own lives, within our culture, that are presented to us by our enemy and we slowly begin to compromise and to fall into some of those areas. Okay, the, the area of Corinth was really a port city. There was actually two ports there, one that came from the eastern Mediterranean, one from the western Mediterranean. And uh, there was affluence there. There was a lot of money, and the, 
they had the resources to be able to pursue some of these things. Now, the, the huge temptation to them is the same for us, and that is compromise. If we begin to compromise to the immoral world around us, then we're going to face many of the same things that the church in Corinth faced. So the words of Paul to the Corinthians is relevant to us here today, that's, and that's why we study it. In verse 6, we're going to start with the word, however. So to really understand that in context, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the first five verses of chapter 2, and that will give us some context to that. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony or mystery of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. If you guys are taking notes at all, make a column. Put human wisdom on one side of the column. He wasn't trying to persuade them with human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So in the other column, you'd have power of God. Okay? So he's laying out here for the Corinthian church a reminder, okay? Because in Corinth, one of the things that they held in high esteem was this idea of getting together and who was the best orator or who was the best person that was... uh, philosopher and and arguing and reasoning and all those kinds of things and if you were really good at that you were held in very high esteem and could make very good money okay so one of the things that was going on in the Corinthians church Corinthians church was they were trying to say who that they were for and who was the best of that and all that kind of stuff that's why you know we're, we're very cautious here to say hey this isn't about Greg Brooks, or this isn't about certain leaders or certain teachers, this is about Jesus, okay? And that's what Paul was doing, is he was reminding them of that. So now we can kind of begin to move on a little bit into verse 6, because we have that background. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, meaning believers already, already believers and grounded in the testimony. So Paul is talking to the people that he had led to Jesus in Corinth and they had gained some maturity. So he says, we speak wisdom among those who are already mature or those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age nor the wisdom of the rulers of this age. How often do we get pulled aside to try to get into these discussions about the things of the world and the wisdom of the age of the world. We do that all the time. And there's a place for understanding in the right context, but that's not what our main focus is. Like our focus today wouldn't be say, oh, you need to be a Republican or you need to be a Democrat or you need to be a a pro-vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer. You know, all these things that are going on in the world right now that could take us into these rabbit trails to get away from 
what God, uh, Paul is trying to talk about here, and that is the power of God and the wisdom of God, and the mystery of the wisdom of God. Okay, but the, the rulers of the age of Paul and of us are trying to move us towards the importance of the wisdom of the age. Who's that from? The devil. The devil wants us to believe that it's more important to argue from the, the wisdom of our current culture than it is to keep talking about the power of God. And so Paul teaches me something here. I don't know if he teaches you this or you picked up on it, but a lot of times we're talking with people who don't know Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Jesus. They may have heard of him. They, they may be in the process of coming to know him, but they don't know him yet. Okay, what do we try to do with the people? Do we try to argue with reason and logic? And, you know, if you just could figure all this out, you, you would make that decision for Jesus. From our standpoint, that makes sense. For their standpoint, it's foolishness. We don't go to them with those kinds of depths of the things of God when they don't even know who God is. It takes spiritual discernment. To, to hear and understand those things. We're going we're gonna to learn a little bit more about that. Verse 7, actually the end of verse 6, it says, who are coming to nothing. It's important for us to realize that the wisdom of this age, the wisdom of the rulers of this age, are going to come to nothing. That's important. Like we should not be putting our faith or our trust in what the age is trying to teach us because it's going to come to nothing. That's not life-giving. There's, there's a death in that, okay? Verse 7, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained or predetermined before the ages for our glory. Wow. For our glory. Like he created these things before time began, these hidden wisdoms, these mysteries of God to give to us so that it would be part of our glory. We're going to get into that a little bit. Verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. So in Paul's time, you have the, leader, the leaders of that age, the leadership. It could have been the, the Sanhedrin, the, you know, the Pharisees, Sadducees. There were Roman rulers, Roman leaders, and the reality is, is he is saying here that those hidden mysteries, the, the wisdom of God was hidden from them. They didn't know that. If they would have known the truth of that, would they put Jesus on the cross? And the answer is no. But to fulfill prophecies of thousands of years, these things were still hidden from them. And uh, they, they went through with the crucifixion. And I'm very thankful that that happened. You might remember uh, a few weeks ago when Greg was teaching in chapter 1, he, he started in, or was in verse 18, and it talked about the differences, and we're going to get into these, so I, I reference that, between the physical, natural man and the spiritual man. And so all of us in here this morning, when Greg was having us look through the sheet, we might be in the spirit. We might have the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we have this battle with the natural man going on. And it's an ongoing battle, and we want to uh, take those things before the Lord and, and become more and more involved in this idea of the spiritual person 
and less in the natural uh, person. And, and so in verse 18, it talks about for the message or the word of the cross is foolishness to those who perish or are perishing, meaning the natural man, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And we know that that to be true if, if we have a relationship with Jesus. So in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 2, the differences are going to go a little bit further. And uh, it's be really between the uh, wisdom of this age and the wisdom of God. So if you have those two columns, they would go in those two columns. Paul was writing specifically to the Christians in the Corinthian church. He wasn't talking about the non-believers that were in the church. And there probably are some people in here this morning who do not have a relationship with Jesus. And we are super glad that you're here. We want you to get to know Jesus, absolutely. But some of the things that we talk about this morning are going to be difficult for you to understand. Okay, because when Paul speaks to the mature believers, he's speaking of the depths of the Spirit. Out of something that is revealed to us as believers... Okay, and he doesn't really spend a lot of time trying to persuade them through argument. He just says, consider the power of God, consider the spirit of God. And that should be our standard. Verse 9, if you would go there. It reads, but it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This might be something that you hear at a funeral service or something like that. It's often in relation to heaven, and I do believe it's in relation to heaven. But it's also in relation to what Paul's been talking about right here. It's for today. It's for us as believers today. That there is things that God has prepared for us since the foundation of the earth because we love him. Do you believe that about yourself? that he has something prepared for you to fulfill as a believer. And, and really in Outpost and, and in all the churches around town, we need you. <laughs> like we need the gifts and the, the things that God is revealing to you in our midst because it's going to edify us in the body. Okay, so it is important for us to understand that. Uh, that's really quoted out of Isaiah in chapter 64 and 65. It really highlights the mystery of God uh, to believers uh, and those who understand that. In verse 10, it says, but God, I love it when God steps in. He says, but God. Aren't you glad that it's, there's a bunch of but gods in there <laughs> to, to step into everything and, and uh, lead us in that right path? It says, uh, he revealed to them the mysteries, the hidden wisdom. So what did he reveal? Hidden mysteries? I mean, this kind of sounds like a movie or something, doesn't it? Like the Lord of the Rings. There's all these mysteries and everything. But it's totally cool because he starts to reveal to us this idea of spiritual wisdom or the wisdom of God that's in a mystery. And, it, and it's revealed to us. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is searching all things, yes, the deep things of God. Wow. The Holy Spirit is searching the deep things of God. Where does the Spirit live? In us. So the Holy Spirit is in us, and he is searching out these deep things of God. And it says, uh, <laughs> basically, he is there 
to reveal the things to us that are the deep things of God. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing that we have that power within us to reveal to us the, the mysteries of God, the deep things of God. We receive a revelation. That's really one of the reasons why non-believers, people who haven't accepted Jesus yet, they can't understand these things. It's through the Spirit that is given to us. And if they don't have the Spirit, how can they understand these things? So, uh, you know, back to one of my earlier thoughts, you know, like I grew up in a, a setting where evangelism was very important. You know, like yeah, you're supposed to be out telling everybody about Jesus. Kudos, I want you to do that. But I want you to do it in a way understanding that don't get so caught up in super spiritual things with them. Just say, listen, we are all sinners and Jesus died on a cross for you. If you accept that, that payment for your sin, you can have a relationship with God. That's the, the simple gospel. Okay, so we, let's spend our time in that with people who don't know. But with people who do know the Lord, let's talk about the deep spiritual things. Let's mature. We have to mature in this setting that we're in right now that's going on around us. Many of us would have discussions and say, hey, what's going on right now? It is absolutely crazy. And it is crazy, but it's not surprising to God. He's in control. He knows all the things that are going on, and we can trust that. Okay, so our discussions now can be, what is God wanting to do during this time? How's he wanting to use us during this time? How, how do we stand up against the, the attempts of the enemy to destroy us? Okay, it's a different thing. We need to be able to do that. Verse 11, for what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? This is natural man. This is the, the man without God. But they know what's going on inside of them. They know the thoughts they have. They know who they are. They may never share that with anybody. Actually, what we're trying to do with Regen, because we're believers, is to say, let's get it all out so that the, the light of the world can shine on it and heal it. It's important to be able to do that. But to the carnal man, the, the natural man, hey, they, they're the only one that really knows what's going on inside of them. We have this flesh, it's sinful, it's desperate, and we're, we're desperate to feed that flesh. That's the natural man. Actually, we, we can struggle with it even in the spiritual man as well. I'm going to just go on to verse 12 here real quick. I got some other things written down, but I know that I'm going to run out of time if I don't. Verse 12, now we being the Christians, you know, that's the we of this. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We can know the things given to us by God. That's pretty awesome, isn't it, Carson? Like, we can know it. It, it doesn't have to be a mystery. Uh, and, and I think if we had time this morning and went around and said, hey, what are some of the things that God has revealed to you? What are some of the mysteries that God has revealed to you? We do it every Sunday morning before coming in here. We talk about, hey, what, what's God doing? And it's very interesting, beautiful to, to listen to. We have received so that, you know, you guys have been in arguments before about the Holy Spirit. And here it says, to those who have received the Holy Spirit. It is not saying you have to do all these other things to receive the Holy Spirit. 
You don't have to take classes on it. You don't have to show outwardly that you have the Holy Spirit to have the Holy Spirit. He says, you have received. And I love that because it's not up to me. It's up to God. And he gives us to that freely. And the reason that he gives us the Holy Spirit is to reveal the depths of who he is. That's amazing. So when you accept Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior, as these, Corinthians, these Corinthian Christians had done, they've received the Spirit of God, just like you have. So when Paul deals with the people, he's not saying, okay, we've got to go back to the beginning and start all over. He's saying, just live in what the Spirit is telling you to live in. Obey what the Spirit is telling you to live in. I don't have to get into all these behavioral things. I just want you to obey the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what we want to do here. Verse 13, these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. We compare spiritual things with spiritual when we get together as believers, we don't need to worry about a lot of the, the carnal man or the natural man things that are dominating in the world. Let's talk spiritual to spiritual. Let's talk depth to depth. Does that make sense to you guys? Like, we, we don't need to waste our time being taken in those directions. Okay, Paul did that in a way that, that really focused on maturity of believers. Okay, and I grew up in a Baptist church. I don't know about you guys. Did any of you grow up in a Baptist church where every week there's a, you know, okay, it's time to sing just as I am however many times and come on down, whatever. There's some good in that, by the way. I'm not condemning it. But every week you're teaching to a supposedly a group of people that don't have any maturity. Paul here is saying let's concentrate on the spiritual things so that people mature. You're going to mature so that you know how to deal with the things in the culture that you face. Now here, we're, we're teaching people, hey, when you go out and you're in your normal workload, you're, in your, you're around other people and everything, that's the time to share Jesus. That's really the time that it's like, hey, we want to talk to you about the simple gospel message of Jesus dying on the cross. And, and we do that in our areas. We want to do that. But when we gather together here as believers, most of us believers, we want to concentrate on the deep spiritual things of God to mature. And I hope that makes sense to you. Verse 14, the reason I say that is, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. He cannot know them. Let's remember that when we're, we're in our tasks and going about and we want to share Jesus with somebody else. Let's keep it simple, <laughs> the simple gospel, and not something so deep that we're trying to convince them of uh, to do. And I've been guilty of that over the years. Verse 15, but he who is spiritual, or the Christians among us, they judge all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no, no one. And boy, that opens up a can of worms. What does that mean? We're supposed to walk around and judge everybody for what they do? Matthew 7 talks about judging. It says, do not judge, judge lest ye be judged. And yet here we're saying the, the spiritual man can go around and you're supposed to judge all things. What's going on? Okay? 
I'm kind of running through this a little bit quick because I really want to focus on this for just a little bit. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And this is concerning, uh, hopefully, some of the spiritual wisdom that Paul has been talking about from the depths of God. And if you're a believer, I'm going to just ask you to have some spiritual discernment here. Uh, I, I like the idea that what I say is, you know, chew it up, spit out the bones, whatever's left, we're good. Okay? Let's go with that. Verse 8 of chapter 2 of Genesis, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And in my Bible, I don't know about yours, there's this highlighted area that says, The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Let's go forward to verses 16 and 17. Chapter 2, Genesis. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat it, dying you shall die. God had a serious command to Adam at that point, and it came on the heels of saying, Look at everything that I've given you. The garden is filled with beauty. It's filled with food that is good to eat. You could, you could live here forever in this paradise without f- falling to sin. You have, it's just an amazing place, paradise, right? But there's one tree. I mean, how much is that like us? God tells us, look at this. this I've created abundance everywhere for you. You don't have to go into these areas that the wisdom of the world is telling you to go into. You have the tree of life. You have this abundance that you can concentrate on, and yet what do we do? We funnel to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. At least I have. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you've stuck with the tree of life this whole time. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I'm I'm certain. All of us have gone after that to a certain degree. God warns Adam, the only warning that he has here, he says, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You remember the columns that we have? You have freedom, you have abundance, you have beauty, you have plenty on one side, and then you have one other side saying, if you eat of this, you will die. When we're talking natural man, the the wisdom of the age, the spirit of the age, the prince of the power of this world, they're on the side that wants to lead you to death. Every single time, not just a little bit, total destruction and death. Okay, but on the other side, we have this abundant life. We have this tree of life. We have this spirit of God that wants to teach us the deep things of God so that we can live in this place that is abundant and abundant living. Isn't that amazing? Like we have that option to go to. And yet over and over again, oftentimes we say, hey, wait a minute, I want to go over to this other tree. I'm going to read uh, chapter 3, part of chapter 3 in Genesis. Let me turn over to it here. 
And if you don't mind, I want to continue that idea for just a little bit. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I don't want to dissect every single word here, so I'm going to just keep going. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. She may have maybe added a little bit there. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Is that what the, the spirit of the age is trying to tell us? You're going to be like God. You can do whatever you want. Forget about the, the tree of life thing. This is really where the tree of life is. The knowledge of good and evil. One of the things when I was growing up and, and learning about God in my Christian walk and everything, I, I was confronted with this overwhelming reality by many believers that the goal was to be good. You're supposed to be good people. You're supposed to be right people. You're supposed to be different than the world. And some of those things are true, but you know what? I've got some wonderful Mormon friends that would fulfill that. There's people in different religions all over the earth that could fulfill that goal. I don't want people to eat off of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want them to eat off the tree of life. You see the difference in the wisdom of this age and the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God and the deep spiritual things. We want to lead people to the abundance and plenty and beauty and life-giving part of the Spirit. That's what God wants for us. He's saying, don't go get caught up in those other things. Don't eat of that fruit because you will die. Like not just physically, but spiritually as well. Does that kind of help bring into to light a little bit about what Paul is talking about in, in this part of the Corinthians? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians now in, in verse 15 of chapter 2. But who is spiritual judges all things. What are we judging? Is it life or does it produce death? Those are the things that we're judging. We're not judging, oh my goodness, that guy's got too long a hair. Or they're tatted up. They shouldn't, oh, they're, they're going to go to hell. Or they play face cards. I mean, they, you guys probably don't say that anymore. But back when I was a kid, that's what they said, right? Okay. Those are the things of the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to sit there and say, God, is this going to produce life for me? Is this going to produce life for my wife? Is this going to produce life for my, my children and my grandchildren or the people in my community group or, or in my church? That's my filter. My filter is life. Not whether it's good or bad or right or wrong or those kinds of things because ultimately those things are going to pass away. Now, I'm not saying go out there and be, you know, hey, you can live whatever way you want. Paul's not saying that either. He's saying, look around, check out what I've created for you. I'm revealing that to you through my Holy Spirit. Live in that manner. Don't 
start to go after the sexual Im immorality that's of the age. Don't, don't start trying to become a great orator and do it better than everybody else. Don't go after success just because you want to be rich. Those are, those are off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, you might be very gifted in those things, and great, you're gifted in those things, but do it through a filter of life, what's giving life. The second part of verse 15 set, says, this is more about discernment. He says, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. If you and I live in a way where we're, we're using life as our filter in, uh, with all the other people, guess what? We're walking in the garden with God. We are enjoying a presence of God that is unique to today's world. And other people are going to hurl accusations at us. <laughs> They're going to say, oh, man, you're, you're off the deep end. You're a fanatic. You're crazy. You know, God doesn't care about those things. Whatever. is, Guess what? They're just going to slide off of you. I'm in the presence of God. That is not of the tree of life. That's your wisdom, and I'm not going to listen to it. Does that make sense as far as identity? Okay, so the, sec the first part really is what's our filter? And the second part, I think, is more an identity uh, thing here. And, boy, I've had a lot of things hurled my way over the years. Have you guys? And do they stick? You know, you're dumb, you're fat, you're slow. You're never going to amount to anything. Your siblings are great, but you're not very good at all. You know, what, what are the things? And they stick on us. Okay? As, as we live uh, um, with the filter of life, those things tend to fall away and, and it can upset people. Verse 16. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? I don't know about you, but I have nothing to instruct God on. He's fine. He doesn't need me to say, hey, God, you know, just in case you didn't know, this is really the way you should be dealing with this issue. No, I'm seeking the life of what God is doing through his Holy Spirit. And I may not understand everything that's going on, but I can trust the Father. And that's huge. The last part of 16 says, but we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Do you guys have the mind of Christ? It says that we have the mind of Christ. That is what is available to it, and I want it. I don't know about you guys, but I want it more and more. And I think that he's going to do the same thing he did during his ministry. He's going to say, I'm only going to tell you and lead you based on what the Father tells me. And it's about life and life-giving. Really good stuff. I love it. I love uh, what Paul's doing here with the Christians in Corinth, or the Christians that he had um, been leading in Corinth, and, and I love what he's doing with me. Before I close, I want to say, this week, would you do something? Would you take what's coming your way, the different things that are happening? Maybe, maybe there are things that you do all the time. Maybe there are things that are part of your practice, your habits whatever, and I want you to run them through the filter. Does this bring life or does this just produce something off of the tree that I don't even want to eat of? And be honest and real about that and say, God, help me. Help me to know your way that's going to lead me to a life in abundance.
May the Lord bless you and keep you this week. May your desire to listen for the voice of the Spirit be increased this week. Be aware that the Spirit is trying to teach you the deep, hidden wisdom of God to you personally. Not, not corporately. I mean, he's wanting to do that too, but to you individually. Next week, we're going to be in uh, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, and you know it. You know where we're going to be. Go there, read it, ask God to speak to you, have him speak to you through your Holy Spirit before we get together next week. It's pretty easy to do. I mean, but we got to develop that habit. But when we come together, everybody should already have an idea of what's going on here. And when Greg shares or whoever shares, it's just adding to what the Holy Spirit has already been telling you. And then I ask you for discernment. As a people group, let's commit to protecting our eyes, our minds, our ears, our hearts from the illusion that the beauty and the lies of the enemy are better than what God has for us. They're not. It's an illusion. Let's pray. God, make us your people. That's what we ask. And God, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit in us that reveals things to us that we wouldn't know without him doing that. God, help us to walk in a, a manner that is seeking your truth in our lives and that as we get around other people, we're loving them the way that you love them. But we can do that because we have abundant life in you and we're living in that way. So God, encourage your people this week. Help us to go out and have impact in Cody, Wyoming, Powell, Wyoming, this whole area around the basin, that people will come to a personal relationship with you and grow in beauty and grace. In Jesus' name, amen.